0: So three-on-one, Erickson to Kirk off and the comeback is complete. Winnipeg has the Christmas holiday to themselves now. The Bruins have work to do. 5-1 the final.
1: what's up everybody and welcome back to the something's brewing podcast episode 72 72 the frank vetrano episode bring him home bring him Dude, home Donnie. talking about a guy former bruin obviously uh guy who was popping off at least he was popping off early in the season um frank vetrano right now i uh, pulling up his stats really quick he's playing he's played 33 games He's got twenty-four points. He's got fifteen goals, dude. He needs nine more goals to tie his uh career high in a season. To um to tie to, 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 to tie his <laughs> <laughs> today, junior. today, Junior. To tie his career high <laughs> in this. Um, but yeah, episode seventy-two, starting off hot, dude. Um I'll, as always brought to you in production with primetime prods follow them on twitter at primetime prods follow myself on twitter at underscore mike sullivan and follow nick on twitter at nick melanson um happy, happy holidays. holidays happy 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 holidays to everybody um who celebrated christmas hanukkah kwanzaa anything else you celebrated over the weekend and, and over the past few weeks um festivus festivus,
2: festivus. On the 23rd don't forget yep
1: you can't forget festivus um even though i truly honestly don't <laughs> even understand what that is it's Isn't from that- seinfeld Oh, it's not from The Office? What's from The Office? Yeah. There was a holiday know. that Dwight Dwight dressed yeah, up as a character. It's like,
2: I think it's like a German one, but that's a real... Oh, no, it, I think that was an Amish holiday. But the one that Dwight dressed up as in The Office is an actual real holiday. Festivus is just a holiday that was invented by uh, George Costanza's dad or something in Seinfeld. It's not real, but Seinfeld was such a big show, it's taken on a life of its own, and it's celebrated every December 23rd and I, it has something to do with, like, you have, you have like, a pole in your living room or something like that. I don't know. Somebody who watches Seinfeld more than us can correct us, but I do know that a Festivus is on the 23rd. I celebrated it this year. I celebrate it every year. It's my favorite holiday of the year, Festivus. Yeah, I you, just... Wait.
1: Oh, sorry, you can go. No, I was just going to say, I just looked it up, uh, what Dwight celebrates, and it's Shroot, Pennsylvania, Dutch Christmas.
2: Oh, never mind. Then it's not real. I thought it was... <laughs> <laughs> um. How what'd you do for Christmas? How was your Christmas? Tell me about everything. What'd you get? Goods, bads, uglies, the food. I want to hear it all.
1: Uh so obviously I just moved into a new place. I'm now in Needham. So shout out Needham. Um actually need really close to uh St. Sebastian's prep. So some really good, you know, uh developing hockey right, you know, next door to me. Um but shadow barb. barb. Um, but yeah, I mean this Christmas is pretty easy, like Wake up. Me and my girlfriend did presents in the morning. Then we hopped over to our own family's house. We did Christmas presents there. Uh, breakfast, lunch, all that, and then went down to Rhode, I- Rhode Island. Jesus Christ, dude, I'm struggling to talk to you. But it might be because I'm so frazzled because I dropped my whole pizza on the ground before we started recording. Um, I was, uh, the picture you sent me that too. You can just, your
2: your dogs are fully in frame. Your hairy ass nose.
1: That was the first
2: thing I saw before I saw the broken plate and the pizza dude, all over the ground.
1: I like I, I well. First of all, so the pizza. Fresh out of the oven. I was so excited to eat it. We were actually set to record about like 45 minutes ago, but delayed from the pizza. Um, it got all over the floor and, and the plate smashed in half. I currently have the plate and the pizza piled up on a table right next to me. Um, still eating it. But um, yeah, I sat down to record and I put <laughs> I put my hand on this beautiful set of pajama pants that I got. From my mother, though. So, shout out to my mom. First time I'm wearing them, I spilled pizza sauce all over them. I, I put my hand down on my legs, and it's just like, oh, marinara sauce everywhere. It's just, it's just all over my pants. So, um, yeah, so, 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 started off hot. That's probably why my mind is all frazzled. But I mean, um, I got this hat that I'm wearing right now, the uh, Boston street hockey hat from my girlfriend. Shout out to Tess. Um, great present um other than that a lot of stuff for the apartment got a tv from tess's dad shout out to chris um got a vacuum shout out to donna she got a toaster again shout out to my mom um <laughs> but yeah i mean a lot of a lot of presents this year were really just kind of things for the, the apartment uh help us get settled in a little bit more um and and uh <laughs> now i'm gonna be asking for a new pizza plate too because this one's in, <laughs> this one's going to the trash
2: I actually can't believe that. The picture, I oh man, I wish people could see it because it was just <laughs> your, t- your toes and then there was just sauce all over the ground. <laughs> <All> over. <laughs> the pizzas were flipped upside before you even picked up the pizza
1: and everything. You're like, hang on let me take a picture of this and send it to Mel. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and then I was panicking, dude, because the, the floor, okay, you, you know what? Yeah, you're right, because that probably wasn't, there shouldn't have been my first instinct. My first instinct probably should be like, oh, shit, there's pizza sauce and pizza, pizza slices all over the ground. There's shards of glass everywhere. I got my open toes out here in the, in the room. And my first instinct is to take a picture and send it to you. I think my exact quote was like, we're going to be delayed a little bit. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, like luckily I, I picked up all the glass, uh, nothing nothing until I wake up at like 3 a.m. this morning to go to the bathroom and I step on a glass shard that goes right through my skin. But <laughs> yeah.
3: Um,
1: yeah, pizza plate. And uh, that's definitely on the Christmas list for next year. Um, so no pizza for me until <laughs> next Christmas. I'm, I'm suspended. But what about you? How was your Christmas? My Christmas
2: was pretty good. Um, it started with uh, I got great news from work every year we do a holiday cubicle decorating thing yeah. and there's a certain department at my job and they go so hard and every year it's on unbol- like last year they were um i think they were like santa's helpers or something but like their whole area like they had decorations hanging from the ceiling like it was like somebody like rolled a christmas grenade in the hallway and it exploded with christmas all over their cubicles <laughs> it was amazing and then this year um, i'm in marketing and we were like you know what like let's let's freaking beat these people damn it so we did a whole like interactive elf thing and from top to bottom floors windows we had lights we we made like props and it I, like dare i say it looked incredible and we ended up taking home the prize i found out friday night when they sent out an email to all the staff that we won so my that was how my christmas weekend got started i got a $30 stop and shop gift card from that. Ooh. And then, uh, I know, big bucks. And then uh, <laughs> Christmas itself was fun. It was pretty quiet around here. Just myself and my family, we were a bit spread out this year. Um, got some AirPods that I'm using right now. I I never wanted AirPods. I always got the uh, – I had Powerbeats, but those things have gone through a wa- the wash a few times. I was like, I, I think it's time for an upgrade. So I got the AirPods. I gave my Powerbeats to my dad. I got some air tags because I will probably lose my key sometime soon. And now I'll know exactly <laughs> where they are. Um, I, I got that. candles because I'm a huge, I'm a huge candle hound. Like if people know, like for the people who know me, I'm obsessed with candles.
1: Look at this thing. My mom got this for me. <laughs> no way? That's like, it's- the, that's like the thing in like, uh, um, what's the movie that the Scrooge is in? Uh, what's that called? The Scrooge? Is that what it's called? I know the yeah. character, the
2: Scrooge. I honestly don't know what movie he's. It's from. like it's such a classic. How do neither of us know Either it's just for people who can't see? It's like it's this little, it's an antique. It's a, a little wooden handle with like almost like a, a a rod and like a thing that look almost looks like a bell but without the belly on the inside. And you use it to snuff out candles. Like if you've seen Survivor, it's like what you they use to snuff out the torch, but a miniature version made from <laughs> candles because I love candles. So I got a bunch of candles. Um, My brother sent me um, like a Viking stein made out of um, like the antler of a cow or something. It was honestly pretty cool. Um, But yeah, that was my Christmas. Good food, good gifts. Um, And back to work today. And here we are pumping out another episode of the pod, baby. You know what I would have liked for Christmas though? Was a Bruins win. You know what? Four straight losses. You know what, Mel? You
1: know what I was just going to say, Mel? Mel, what? you know what I was just gonna say. Did I just steal your thunder? No, no. But you know what I was gonna say? What? You know you know what stinks? What stinks, Mel? For example, Moody cheese, feet, spoiled milk, um
2: your hockey uh, bag, pizza sauce on the floor, um that stinks, dude.
1: Farts? Farts, That's- farts really stinks. <laughs> but you know what? those things that we just listed off don't stink as much as the bruins have stunk in the past 2 3 weeks oh my god christmas break could not have come at a better time the bruins are on a four game losing streak granted with that four game losing streak um the team managed to salvage two points out of those four losses a couple of overtime losses but I think it all culminated in that Winnipeg Jets game where they looked like they were just so out of sync. They had no rhythm whatsoever. They, they went into Winnipeg as if they expected to lose. It's like they didn't even know they had a hockey game to play that night. They were awful. Awful. Like, the offense is non-existent. The defense is consistently coughing up the puck. They don't know how to complete a pass. They don't know how to catch a pass. And when they make a pass, it's not even on the tape. It's not even close. The only tape that it hits is the opponent's stick going the opposite way for a two-on-one goal against one of our godly goalies. Because without these two guys, dude, I swear that Winnipeg game could have been 10-1, to 11-1, 12-1. It was bad.
2: Yeah, it's been real ugly. And uh, like this is the first time we've seen the Bruins look like this, and like holy shit, almost two years. Like yeah. <laughs> the last, I was just looking. The last, first of all, they can't win when it goes past regulation. No, I don't know what it is. They won in a shootout against the Islanders, but in their last eight games, they're two, three, and three. Like that is not. Come on, like that's not the Bruins we've been watching this year. No. And to your point, like it's not like one thing isn't working. Like they, they all, they all suck. They all suck. And the only thing I will say is, um, I tweeted it the other day, is like, I just know. I don't listen to the Sports Hub, but I just know they're blaming these losses on Olmark and Swayman. Because if you look at Olmark's numbers, I think it was uh, like his last six or seven consecutive games, he's given up at least three goals, which is not Linus Olmark. Like, looking back last year, looking back this year, the two of them didn't give up three goals in either of them starting until like a month into the season. Um, But none of that is on Linus Olmark or Jeremy Swayman's head. I mean, they're getting sold. It's it's the most uninspiring hockey I've seen from this team in a long time lately. And to your point, it all kind of came to a head, a bit of a culmination of just shitty effort against Winnipeg. Like that was every, it, almost every goal Winnipeg got with like a tic-tac-toe triangle pass, just spreading it, just like real, like fundamental hockey stuff. The Bruins just couldn't stop. They had, um, honestly, it reminded me a little bit about our men's league game last week <laughs> when for people who obviously nobody was there. We get like two fans and it's you and your brother's girlfriends. And <laughs> the other team was on uh, like a three on two and I was one of the defensemen. And my D partner fell down and they just did like a quick little triangle, just slap the puck around goal, nothing I could do. And then like the Bruins against playing against Winnipeg, they had a couple goals that were just like that right in front of the net, except there was, there was like three Bruins players, either all standing around puck watching right in the goalie's crease or they're spread so far wide. They're just opening up passing lanes. And for a team like the Bruins who are so like this team is built from the net and defense out. Like that, like this team should be able to win low scoring competitive games. Like that's their bread and butter. They don't have the offensive firepower they had last year. They don't have the offensive firepower that a lot of teams, the Atlantic or the Eastern Conference do, but they've been able to, to win these games. That's why they've been so dominant the first quarter of the season. And then all of a sudden, like the last week and a half or so, the defense has sucked. It's fallen apart. They've been given up backdoor passes, cross size passes, odd man rushes. They can't break the puck out. And that's what's happening. Their goalies can't save shit because they don't have the opportunity to. We were talking at the beginning of the season, a a bad habit this team had was when they had the puck on their stick in their own zone and they're scrambling, they can't get it out to save their lives. It didn't matter if it was a penalty kill. It didn't matter if they were hemmed in their own zone. They can't get it out. They can't get it glassing out. They can't flip it out. They can't do a breakout. And that was happening, happening periodically throughout the start of the season. But like the last Collection of games like 10 games or so dating back to when they lost three in a row at the end of November The defense has been horrible It's been terrible and when you can't score goals on top of that and McAvoy's been in and out of the lineup and Zocco has been out of the lineup and He just came back. It's 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 been terrible. I think you tweeted It looks like they they're just not giving any effort at times, which is like so not Bruins hockey It's it's been it's been a, a Christmas nightmare I'll say that.
1: Yeah. A couple weeks here. It was literally the nightmare before Christmas, and that's it's it, <laughs> literally it's literally what it was. And I'm I'm looking at some stats right now, right? So when you think of Bruins hockey, right, Um, especially in the past two years, and it's kind of hard to count last season because last season was such an anomaly. Um, obviously, you had guys like Bergeron and Krejci kind of leading the ship, but regardless, when you think of Bruins hockey, you think. You know, maybe a little bit better than average offense, but stout defense, right? And good goaltending. Like, that is Bruins hockey. You win from the back out. That's how it's always been. That's been the culture here forever. I mean, look at the defensive cores that we've always had, at least since we've grown up, right? Chara, Boychuk, now McAvoy, Carlo, Lindholm, like all these Cadenberg.
2: guys. Yeah, Seidenberg,
1: play. McQuaid. Yeah, you can go back to, I mean, literally forever, the, the whole history of the team and right now the defensive structure of the team is, is I don't think it's poor, but it's the way that they've been playing over this stretch of hockey. It's just porous. No pun intended for me to put those two words <laughs> back to back, but it's been so disorganized and just messy and sloppy. And there's, the defensive unit it's like they struggle to break the puck out instead of freaking out about it and just kind of whining and and complaining because nobody wants to hear complaints right like nobody just wants to tune in and hear Mike Felger talk about how much the team sucks because we know they don't suck we 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 know they don't were they as good as they were in the beginning of the year when they started like nine and over or whatever they did probably not definitely not but they're also not this bad They're, they're somewhere in the middle but in the previous five games that the Bruins have played, um, one win in the previous five. But the shots against total for these five games, 169 shots against, not helping out Allmark and Swayman at all. And those are all, you know, majority of those are good chances. I mean, you could have allowed seven, six, seven goals if not for those two in net. Um, and they so 169 shots against and 145 shots for. It. So they're getting outshot the majority of these games, and and mind you, one of these games they had forty three shots on net, and that was the game that Mark Andre Fleury stole from the Bruins.
2: It no, it's been brutal. I remember, um, I believe it was when they played Winnipeg. Uh, about halfway through the third period, the Bruins had fourteen shots on net yep. against the Winnipeg Jets. They had fourteen shots on net, and it. I don't really know what to explain it because, like, watching that game, they didn't look good. Defensively was a nightmare, but it it didn't feel like they were being dominated so badly that that the shots in the third period should have been like it was like thirty two to fourteen at that point. I think in the second period alone, the Bruins were outshot like nineteen to six. It feels like every time that they would they would finally be able to get a clean breakout, they would enter the zone and it would be like. Jake DeBras comes in, immediately fires a shot, misses a net, rims around the boards, and now you just lost possession. And it's felt like they've had trouble maintaining possession in the offensive zone. They've even had trouble just getting it into the zone. Yep. I think it was against the wild when they were on the power play. There was like 40 seconds left in the power play. They tried about three or four different times to get the puck over the blue line, and it was like the Great Wall of China. They could not get it past the wild to say it. there's if it's that hard, dump it in and chase statement. You got another guy on the ice and they do. And it it's It's frustrating and like defensively, like they've all sucked. Like, uh, like McAvoy has been hurt. He finally came back, and his first game back. I know some people live and die by those scorecards. I don't know what his Twitter name is. Tweets out. Some people take him with a grain of salt. For what it's worth, McAvoy's first game back from injury. Him and uh, Lindholm were two of the three. Worst rated Bruins in that game. I think McAvoy might have been dead last. He was terrible Mm -hmm. that game. And he was coming back from an injury, so that's understandable. But um, McAvoy didn't play well. Grizzly came back from his injury, immediately got hurt again, haven't seen him since. Um, Carlo has been your one consistent player. He's been playing okay. Lindholm is back to old habits again, like how he started the season, turning the puck over like crazy. He's been okay in the defensive zone, but there's been a couple times too, uh, I tweeted out specifically, there was a shift. First of all, Ian Mitchell, what does this guy have on his phone? What does he have on Jim Montgomery and Don Sweeney? Why does he keep getting the call-up? There was at one point, which is why I mentioned it, I, I think it was against the Wild, that somehow him and Lori ended up on the ice together at the same time. Not even kidding you, immediately the puck was in the Bruin zone for two minutes. They could yeah. not get the puck out to save their life. There was a point in the game as well, where I don't know what it is with Mitchell, but he just can't stop taking stupid penalties. He like pushed a guy down, like fell on him and like held him on the ice and he got sent to the box. I don't even think he was in the box for 15 seconds in the wild score. And that's a game that the Bruins lose three to two when they pepper Mark Andre Fleury with shots. And that's a turning point in a game, something like that. And for this guy to be the guy who gets called up every, like he's been struggling. Uh, I honestly really like Watherspoon's game, I think he's been playing great. But yeah. I don't know if it's because he's playing well or it's or if it's because everybody else is playing so poorly. He's the only one out there who's like not making mistakes. It might be a bit of both, but I do like what I'm seeing from Walterspoon. Um, Forbert's still out. It's just it's it's a bit of a disaster class right now defensively. And I'm hoping that, um, <clears throat> is has there been news on Grizzly? Do we know what his injury is or how long he's out?
1: No, no news, but we do know he didn't travel with the team obviously uh, in those in those final two games, but I got I wanted to talk about this really quick. Obviously you were mentioning the uh the giveaways, right? Yeah. And I have a list right here of the top 5 players on the team in giveaways. Can you can you take a guess at the top 5? We won't even for 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 to make it a little easier, we won't do like a particular order unless you want to.
2: No, let's do a particular order. I All feel right. like I feel like number 1 is probably Pasta. Boom, he
1: has 34 giveaways, 20 takeaways.
2: Number 2 I'm going to say is Hampus
1: Lindholm. Hampus Lindholm is number 3. Hampus okay. Lindholm has 20 giveaways and 8 takeaways. As a defenseman, okay. that's that's tough. Those are tough yeah. numbers. I'm going to say um um is McAvoy in the top 3? Is he number 2? McAvoy is number four. McAvoy has 20 giveaways, so tied with Lindholm, and he actually only has five takeaways.
2: Let me ask this. You asked for the top five. I gave you pasta. Are the other four all defensemen?
1: Um, No, you got all the defensemen. One is a center, and one is a wing. And this might surprise you, to be honest with you. I'm going to say Patra. Matt, Patra is number six. 13 giveaways, but he has 18 takeaways. Zaka. Pavel Zaka is number seven. Zaka has 13, oh. 13 takeaways, 11 giveaways. So is it Coil? Is Coil number two? Charlie Coyle is number five. Charlie Coyle has 15 giveaways and 16 takeaways. And the Winger's number two. Is it Brad Marchand? Number two is Brad Marchand. He has 30 oh. giveaways and 17 takeaways. So it's what? Pasta, Marchand, uh, Lindholm, uh,
2: Coyle and, Mac- and Coyle, or McAvoy, then Coyle? Yes, wow! Yeah. I, dude, I have a terrible memory. I can't believe I just remembered <laughs> all those names. But that's not good. No, that's not good to have those guys. I mean, I pasta is expected, and um, I, feel, you know, the, the way that Marshawn plays too is expected as well. He's also producing yeah. a lot defensively and getting a lot of takeovers on his own end. But having McAvoy and Hampus at home,
1: your top two defensemen,
2: with that many turnovers, I feel like is a bit concerning.
1: And not only that, but as a defenseman, too, you I mean, <laughs> the whole point is to play defense. You should be, you know, and this might sound stupid the way I'm wording it, but you should have more takeaways than you do giveaways. Like, that's kind of the root of the position.
2: And especially, too, because like, um, like McAvoy, the style that Charlie McAvoy plays, I'm not surprised to see that he has that many turnovers. But what comes with a lot of those turnovers, I mean, he's, you know. He always has a puck on his stick. He's carrying the puck through the neutral zone. He's quarterbacking your power play. I get it, yep. but Hampus Lindholm—it feels like it feels like I can almost remember every single turnover he's ever had because I, I'm always screaming at my TV because it's like he's fumbling a puck or he's just throwing the puck around the boards. And you know, like I like he makes a lot of good plays too. I'm not just like hating on Hampus Lindholm, but the level of play from last year has dropped off dr- dropped off dramatically. And, like, this is your second-best defenseman. This is a guy who was getting Norris votes last year. And, like, this year, it's just, like, I, I didn't think I would be holding my breath when Hampus Lindholm is trying to quarterback a breakout. And it feels like that's happening more often than not this year. And it's, like, inexplicable stuff. Like, you can't hit a center on a breakout pass, or he's trying to make a long pass through, like, three lines of, of forwards. And it's, like, what are you doing? Like, that's just, like, just hit the guy right in front of you or go D-to-D or something. Yeah. And frustrating.
1: Yeah. It's like, it's just, you can tell. First of all, I want to say the break could not have come at a better time. This team needs a, a time away from, from, from the ice, from gameplay, from practice. Just give them a couple of mental days to just reset, come back and just play simple hockey. That's all they got to do, right? It's just play simple hockey. You don't have to think too much. You don't have to try to force all these plays. Just carry the puck into the zone, set up, and play some tic-tac-toe just pass the puck and and just play easy simple hockey because we're watching these games and like you said you're screaming at the tv every time Lindholm tries to force a pass through like three guys it's like dude you had a guy wide open cutting through the middle all you got to do is feed him instead he tries to go through three guys make the fancy play and send the guy on a quick rush like you don't have to do that
2: yeah it almost feels like he's Um, like he's like like overplaying like I don't really know how to explain it like you and I didn't play hockey at a high level like we played high school hockey but like still like you know like there are those times like you know it's a big game or you know you got somebody you know in the stands and you want to play well and maybe you're gripping the stick a little too tight and you're trying to go for the home run play and it almost feels like that's what's happening at times with Hampus Lindholm I don't know why I can't explain it Mm -hmm. Um, but like I mean there's like there's times like he's received the pass and like he can't even like he'll lose it in his skates. Like it'll like the Bruins will be swooping and doing a regroup because they're doing a line change and they drop it back to Hampus Lindholm and he can't even catch that pass. Like that's in his skates and he stops it and he's looking for it. And um, I don't really know what to call it. I mean I don't think he's nervous, but it's just it's the last year he he was so confident and he was so calm with the puck. Like a guy that size moving the puck like that, breaking the puck out on your power play. He was huge when McAvoy was out for the first five weeks of the season last year. And like, I I don't want to get it twisted. He hasn't been a bad defenseman this year at all. He's still, he's still been, he's been good defensively. It's just the offensive production has dropped off dramatically. And, um, if you, more times than not, uh, The Bruins defensive pairing that's getting trapped in their own zone is his line. And if it wasn't for Brandon Carlo being his defensive partner, I would wonder if those turnover stats you just read from Carlo would be even worse. And I know that – not from Carlo, sorry, from Lindholm would be even worse. And I know that you know there are a lot of people who say that plus minus isn't a defensive stat. And I do agree with that to an extent. But I would wonder too how much that would be affected. And like I think that this it's it's felt like Bergeron not being here anymore. Like you could really feel how good he was defensively and how important he was with some of the stuff the Bruins are trying to do in their defensive end. Because now we're seeing this stretch here. I haven't seen this pour of defensive hockey from the Bruins in years. Like this yeah. is it's almost unbearable at times. Five goals getting pumped for five goals to the Winnipeg Jets when you have 14 shots through the third period is inexplicable for a team that started the regular season like 19 three and four whatever the hell they did
1: yeah and, and so not only that but like if if you go back at the previous five games right their shot totals So against the Islanders like you said win in a shootout 34 shots on goal and then they go to the Rangers lose two to one 22 shots on goal that's never gonna get it done um and then you follow that up with that crazy game that Mark Andre Fleury flurry stole suddenly the Bruins pop off with 43 shots. Then they go to Winnipeg, 25 shots, and then Minnesota they cap it off with a 21 shot effort. Like it's just, that's just not going to get it done offensively. And not only that, but over these five games, um, the offense has been non-existent. Right? The, the, at least the five-on-five offense has been virtually non-existent. Um, in that five-game stretch, they scored 11 total goal, 11 total goals. Out of those 11 total go- total goals, Mel, how many of those goals do you think came on the power play? Um, they they had 14 opportunities. One. Five. So that means they had five power play goals and six even strength goals. Holy shit. <laughs> that is so bad. That is so,
2: so, so bad. Oh, my God. I was expecting too much out of them by saying only one.
1: Yeah. So, five power play goals, six even strength. For a team that is just like in a chokehold to score goals, it's like they they need the power play. And thankfully, it's coming through. Let me ask you this. What...
2: Do you what do you like? What do you think it is? Because I know, like, it it hurts obviously having Zaka missing time. He's back now, but like we joked last week, and we said if the Bruins couldn't stay afloat without Matthew Patra, because last week the talk was about you know <laughs> Patra's going to play for Team Canada. I yeah. don't know. Patra left, and like the wheels have just fallen
1: off. <laughs> hey, is there something we're missing? Listen, okay. If you're dependent. Like if your (laughs) offense is dependent on a 19 year old (laughs) rookie behind the wheel to drive your offense, which it's not, we can, we both know that it's not, but, um, you're right. The numbers have definitely taken a dip since he left, but that's like, that's like throwing your son who's like seven, the, the, the keys to the truck and you hop in the passenger seat and you're like, all right, kid, get us home. Like. (laughs) Let me
2: let me ask you this question. I remember um when the Bruins lost three straight at the end of November, they lost five to two to Detroit, seven four when they got pumped by the Rangers. Rangers destroyed yep. them. And yep. then they lost five to two to Columbus. We were saying then, because they were playing San Jose in Boston the Thursday night. Oh, we yeah. said that is the game. If the I said we were both saying we weren't concerned, but if the Bruins lost that game to San Jose, sirens were gonna sound, we were gonna be concerned. They ended up winning that game and then they won the next two. They beat Toronto in overtime and they beat Columbus. And then since then they've gone two, three, and three. Mm. So now I want to ask you are you more concerned now than you were following that three game losing streak heading into San Jose?
1: Yeah, because this is it's because it's becoming a trend. That's why. It's not that the losses are becoming a trend it's the way that they're losing and it's things that are being repeated that, that are becoming trends within the team's play, like giving up leads in the final, like two minutes that's happened way too many times for it to be a coincidence. Like it's, it's a thing it's whether it's mental, whether it's, I don't know, some, some, you know, however, they're trying to close out games I don't know what it is, but it's a thing. Like, it's definitely a trend. It's not good. Um, What other trend would you say? Uh, The the mixing up of lines. That is a giant factor. You know what? Actually, just to circle back to what you said, what do I think is the cause? I think – I don't think it's Potra, right? I I, I don't think it's – Potra certainly helps, but I don't think he's, like, the main driving force. I think the main driving forces are – basically relying on pasta to score every single one of your goals that's that's not awesome um number two switching up the lines constantly like we're in game we're about to be in game 33 figure it out make some lines get some chemistry enough is enough like you can tinker with them sometimes like that's not a problem but you can't do it on a nightly basis. Like you need to have your foundational pieces to a line and then you can make changes from there. Like for example, Coyle and Frederick should never be split apart. You can alternate who is on their opposite wing. That's fine. Put JVR there. Put, um, I don't know, Heinan. like switch, switch those up. That's fine. But keep those two together. Same thing with Zaka and pasta. Keep those two together. And then you can eat, filter out like say Jake, DeBrusque, Danton Heinen, JVR, like, basically, Danton Heinen is basically your utility player. Danson Heinen is basically your Brock Holt. He, I, I was gonna say that he's the loose version of Brock Holt. Maybe he'll go out yes. there and hit a cycle. <laughs> but and that would be so that would be so nice. What would a cycle be in hockey? Like a like a like a, a Gordie Howe hat trick, basically.
2: No, because Gordie Howe like Brock Holt was the only player in MLB history to hit a cycle in the playoffs. Like that's yeah. how rare it was. So maybe a a, a, a natural hat trick
1: with a fight and an assist, maybe that would be that you know what that's actually that's gotta be yeah, it. Yeah. But go. another major thing, and this is probably my last um reason in my mind that you know we're starting to see these trends, is that and I'm sorry if this pisses people off, but you don't have secondary scoring out of a guy who is here to put the puck in the net or just produce in some way in a top six role. And I don't even have to say his name because I know you and I know everybody listening knows precisely who I'm talking about. And it sucks because I love him. I love his game, but you can only defend him analytically for so long. We're in game. We're about to be in game 33. The dude has barely cracked double-digit points with 17 minutes average time on ice. And if you haven't figured it out by now, we're talking about Jake DeBrusque. So. Yeah,
2: no, I, I, I'm i glad you brought him up too because we were talking about him a bit. We were talking about him last week, and that was before um, the... Was it the Wild they lost to in overtime? Was that the game it was? uh Yes. Yeah, it was because the Bruins lost in overtime to the Wild because this is what we were talking about before. Jake DeBrusque went in on an odd man rush. And as soon as he crossed the blue line in three on three overtime, he fired a shot at the goalie missed and went wide wrapped around the boards. And instead of getting back, he did this long turn kind of looked at the puck and it was a three on one. The other way goal games over like it's the situational awareness with Jake DeBrusque is non-existent and I've never understood it. It's been a part of his game forever. Like, if it, it, a three-on-three three overtime, if, you, if you're going to shoot the – first of all, if you're going to shoot the puck, hit the net. And if you're going to miss the net in three-on-three three overtime, you turn around and you bust – we were just shitting on John Tavares for doing almost the exact same thing. It was a little different, but we shit on John Tavares for watching his team and not getting back on defense as Brad, Brad Marchand went in and scored the winning goal at overtime against the Maple Leafs. And Jake DeBrusque pretty much did the exact same thing, missing the net starting a wild breakout and then having this lackadaisical long kind of turnaround, looking at the puck. Well, Oh, the wild are on an odd man rush. I'll just watch. And it's bullshit. Like you don't need, and I, and to your point, he's an analytical darling right now because he's really good defensively in, in the neutral zone. And he's doing a really good job defensively, for the Bruins covering the guy in the blue line. You, you you're a, you score goals. You were a first-round yeah. pick, you're a sniper, you got 27 or 28 goals last year. Like that's what you're being paid to do. And having what is does he even have 7 goals yet? Like no, I think you no. said he's not even in double digit points.
1: No, he's he, the defense.
2: He, I get it. We we need you to score goals and you're not doing that for the Bruins right? Now.
1: JD has 11 points. He has four goals, seven assists. One of those goals is a power play uh, goal. He doesn't even and have five goals yet. No. And like I said, dude, he's averaging seven, 1659. It actually went down since the last time I checked. But he's averaging 17 minutes time on ice, four goals. One of them's on the power play, seven assists. And actually, now that we're on that, now I'm curious to see how many of those assists are secondary assists. Um, and you know,
2: what's, you know what's crazy what you just said, too, is – uh. Jake DeBrusque this year, how many – you said he has four goals and 11 points?
1: Four goals, seven assists, 11 points. And before you jump into it, how many of those seven assists do you think are secondary for Jake DeBrusque? Oh,
2: seven. (laughs) Four. Yeah, I mean, that's more than half. Right. Um, And to put that into perspective, Jake DeBrusque, your second-line winger, the guy who was playing first-line right wing last year, 27 goals, 50-something points in like 62 games – He's got four goals and 11 points. Brandon Carlo, who had his career high 19 points last year. Brandon Carlo has two goals and seven assists this year. The guy who's never cracked 20 points his entire life. Your stout defensive defenseman has half the goals as Jake DeBrusque and four less points. That is like extremely concerning. Come on. Like that is you don't like the Bruins. They they have. We were just going through all the shots. This team is when they play like they're supposed to play. When they play like they have the first eighty five percent of the season, this team is incredible defensively, and they have two amazing goaltenders. Defense has never been this team's problem. It is right now, but when healthy, like when McAvoy is back to full strength, and even though we shit on him when Derek Forbert is back. I love Lori, He can sprinkle in and out of the lineup. The guy sucks defensively. I'm sorry. He sucks. You can tell this guy hasn't played defense for more than four years because I believe he was a forward as of four years ago. Um, when Forbert's back, when McAvoy's healthy, when Grizik is healthy – I have faith that they will figure it out. I think that there's been a ragtag group of guys. I like what I've seen from watherspoon He's not a long-term solution. Shattenkirk is in and out of the lineup. Ian Mitchell sucks. Sorry, he sucks. Um, defense is not this team's problem. It shouldn't be this team's problem. What has consistently been this team's problem is scoring. They have a lack of high-end scoring. They've needed a second-line winger, and... Um, a big reason why they need a second-line winger Is because their current second-line winger Who's supposed to be a goal scorer Doesn't even have five goals yet this year Like, come on yeah. It's starting to get a bit frustrating And, like, it's not for lack of trying Like, Jake DeBrusk is still shooting the puck He's still going out there and, like, playing But it's, like, the effort that you've seen from him The last couple games when it isn't going his way And just, like, I don't even know what to say Four goals yep. through however many games is is not going to cut it for what he's what he's
1: expected to do. And how many assists did you say Brandon Carlo has? Seven. Seven. Yep. Guess how many of those are secondary. Two. Zero. Really? Seven? Really? Oh, wow.
2: Oh my yep. god.
1: Yeah. And he so... almost had
2: a goal last game too. He fired one off the post.
1: He could have one goal right behind Jake DeBrusk. And he, he's the only player that scored against Winnipeg. So you know yeah. what? We'll, you know, we'll take some positivity from this. Obviously, we're not like we're I hope it doesn't come off like we're talking like the world is falling apart. Because it's not. It, it's just the problems that are right in front of everybody's faces right now at this team. But I mean, Brandon Carlo has been honestly probably the most consistent player in this lineup through the season, outside of obviously, say, you know, Jeremy Swayman and Linus Hallmark. That's kind of a different conversation. Um, but Brandon Carlo has been solid. He has been I would argue, honestly, the best defenseman that we've had so far this season, it's not Lindholm, it's not Grislyk, um, it's not Derek Forbert, if he's even still freaking on the team. It's not Kevin Shattenkirk, it's not Ian Mitchell, it's not Parker Watherspoon, it's not Mason Lorai, it's McAvoy and Carlo. And, and those two guys are really the anchor of your defensive core right now. And that's a guy that people wanted to ship off for, like, nothing. That's also yeah. a trend I've found is people just want to get rid of these guys for nothing when they have a couple of weeks of bad hockey. It's like look at the look at the player as a whole. And yeah, and, and this is the thing about JD is that we know he's streaky and he's in a contract here. So if you do end up and I don't think they should, but if you if they do end up trading him, you can't trade him for nothing. But what, but what is his value? Like what do other teams' GMs even see his value right now?
2: Yeah, that's what I was curious too because the one thing that the guy does like I like I don't know like I feel like like players I feel like have certain archetypes right but Bergeron was your two-way forward and I always use him as the as the example because everybody knows what you're going to get with Bergeron There's and perfect. Jake DeBrusque Jake DeBrusque is a, he's he's a goal scorer he's not known for as a defensive player which is what he's been known as this year because that's all he's been doing and if you have a goal scorer a 26 he might be 27 now year old goal scorer Who's been a proven scorer in the past, who suddenly is on a contract year and isn't scoring goals. I have no idea what his value is. I know if, if the Bruins want to resign him, I we mentioned this last week, his price tag is going down every single game, it seems like. But um, no, that's a serious concern for this team is Jake DeBrus not being able to score goals. <clears throat> but yeah, back, back to Brandon Carlo. He's been unbelievable this year. His his defensive game is so incredible and that's always been the strongest part of his game is his uh, defensive ability but what you're seeing this year is an offensive side of Brandon Carlo I didn't know he had and like we just said his career high in points uh, if I'm not mistaken was 19 points last year he already has 11 points this year so he's he's on pace to shatter that number he's got two goals Um, he almost had a third the other night but he's jumping up in the offensive play. He's more confident with the puck carrying it through the neutral zone. Um it's a version of Brandon Carlo I wasn't sure that we were ever going to see. And the defensive game is there. The defensive game has always been there, but offensively like some 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 players never some defensemen never unlock the offensive part of their games and that's fine. Brandon Carlo was never that guy cuz he was so good defensively. But what you've seen from him this year uh I love the guy. And I know that his name has been linked to Not Bruins trade rumors, but Bruins fan trade rumors for years. I'm the uh, I was optimistic that that would start to slow down this year, but I expected too much out of this fan base, and there are still eggheads out there who are saying to trade Brandon Carlo. But he's been amazing this year. Um, hopefully, you know, Lynn Holm and some of those other guys can pick it up too. Yeah, and like we
1: said, just to just so we don't really hop too hard on Jake DeBrusk's case and make it seem like everything he's doing is bad, right? Like we said, and like you just mentioned, his defensive game this year has been really good. Um, so to keep it positive with him in some aspect, um, he only has eight penalty minutes. Um, he's drawn 10 penalties. Um, or, I'm sorry, 10 penalty minutes he's drawn. Um, he has 14 block shots. So yeah, he's averaging just a little bit above a shot and a half block per game. Um he has three defensive zone takeaways, um, and in the faceoff dot twenty three point one percent. I don't know. I don't know how many faceoffs he's taken. Oh yeah, but I mean, <laughs> he can do it he's, all. He's, he's he's sixth on the team in shifts. Um, number one on the team in shifts is actually Hampus Lindholm, um, and Jake hmm. DeBrusque is only three shifts behind David Pasternak. So he's getting the time on ice. It's just the, the only thing is that that those offensive numbers are not here. They haven't shown up yet. And knowing DeBrusque, he's probably in the month of, like, January, February, going to pop off for, like, 30 points. And it's going to be like, dude, where was this when everyone was talking shit? <laughs> like, dude. That would be um, such
2: Jake DeBrusque fashion. Yeah, I would be happy a bunch of bum teams, too, when you don't exactly need him to get the points. But honestly, at this point, any any offensive production of Jake DeBrusque, I would be happy because they desperately need it from him right now. And he mm-hmm. has not been able to deliver to this point.
1: Yeah, well, speaking of delivering, uh, we got the USPS Lobel line, if you want to hey jump yo. into that. <laughs> Lobel line, yes, sir.
2: So Lovell called. He's the only one who calls every week. I know we call it the Lobel line, but like – other people can call, too, if you want. The vo- <laughs> the, the number is in our Twitter bio, at Bruins something. But Lovel's the one always consistently calling us every week, and he has four new ones for us this week. we got a fresh yeah. batch. Shout out to this him. One, shout out, Lovel, yeah. Uh, the first one is from December 19th at 10, 10, 10 p.m. So this is uh right after the Bruins lost in overtime to Minnesota. Oh, boy. Let's see what he says. Hang on. i got to put it on speaker. Oh crap, I just clicked off of it. Hang on. I am fucking
3: sick of the goddamn negative tweets whenever we lose a game. Lost in overtime. It's alright. For fuck's sake. We're supposed to support the Bruins. We're fucking Bruins fans. I see your guys' fucking avies. You're. Fucking Twitter handle. Bruins this, bruins that. Fuck (laughs) us!
1: Listen, he's actually, he's right. We lose
3: lose the goddamn game. It's not fucking the end of the world. Fuck you guys. Get fucking behind the boys. Whatever we lose the game, we'll be back next game. Fuck you, Twitter. I hate you. (laughs)
1: yeah twitter can be a cesspool especially after losses um but he he actually he messaged um on twitter and he mentioned that uh let's see here he said it was something along the lines of just know i'm not the same person that sent in those voicemails i'm different now i've settled down i've changed
2: (laughs) well he also sent that in uh You know, and then three days later, the Bruins got just one of the worst games of the season. They lost 5-1 to Winnipeg, and then followed up with a 3-2 loss to Minnesota.
1: Yeah, but he's right. I mean, there's no—I mean, the team is still in first place. Like we said, like, there's just weaknesses that are—whoops. There's just weaknesses—whoops. There's just weaknesses that are—I just threw everything off my desk. Um, (laughs) There's just things that—you know, weaknesses that are rearing their ugly head right now, and— um a lot of people yeah they there's a difference between like pointing out the weaknesses and um calling them out you know than than compared to people who are just like this team is awful like this team sucks like it's not that
2: yeah no and i'm glad lovel brought that up cuz that is my like oh like that pisses me off to know and i am totally on lovel's on lovel's side here um i don't see it as much with there's one Twitter user um, specifically that I'm thinking of. I'm not going to say who, but um, like, especially with, with the, I'll tell you after, but um, (laughs) especially like Patriots fans, I noticed are terrible. And this year has been different because the team is so bad. You can almost laugh at it, but like you can relate it to the, to Bruins fans because like the Bruins, uh, they have the fourth best record in the league. It's a, it's a good team. And then when they start losing, this team sucks they can't do anything right trade this person trade that person fire Jim Montgomery and they're being serious and like those are the fans when it's when it's almost like you like those the fans who want the Bruins to lose because like they've been so bad, screw this! They don't deserve another win. I want to see the wheels fall off, and they uh, they just outright root for them to lose. And it's like you call yourself a Bruins fan, and you're yeah. rooting against your own team. And that's when I this certain person would do that all the time with the Patriots, because you know they want a different philosophy. They want the team to go in a different direction, so they want the team to lose. This year, I want the team to lose because I want the high draft pick. But that's Patriots talk. But for yeah. the Bruins, I I know exactly what Lobel is saying because there's there's a bunch of people who just get so frustrated with the Bruins and this team looks so bad. Screw it. I want them to lose because I, you know, that's what this team deserves or whatever. And like, it's okay to your point. And I totally agree with you to be critical of your, of your players to critique their play as a fan. I think that's what makes the Boston Bruins so awesome is that like we, we are part of like one of the most passionate fan bases In the NHL. And it's not just that we're like, we're rabid fans about our team. Like we're really knowledgeable fans too. Like you can go on Twitter and, and have a a really good Bruins conversation with about 90% of the Bruins fans. I won't, I won't give everybody that, that access, but, um, no, like it's an extremely knowledgeable fan base, and that's why like it gets so frustrating when they're like the people who fall into that ten percent who are just like, "Carlos sucks, trade Carlo." You know, let's Pasha's not going to want to resign. Get him out of here now. And like they just say all this stupid shit because like the Bruins lost four in a row. Tough shit. Like I don't know. Yeah, it, it gets it gets really annoying. Like I feel like you can't be a fan of your team and then like act like that when shit hits the fan. Like you're a, you're a fan or you're not.
1: Right, and it's like. I- the one that stuck out to me the most and when I when I had to get off Twitter for a little bit because people were being serious, was the certain there were certain people saying that the team should fire Jim Montgomery because he doesn't know how to set a lineup. Like timeout. Jim Montgomery just led the team to the best season of all time, not in franchise history, but in league history. Um, he's taken this team of players who are are arguably, unproven in in their roles for for instance Pavel zaka top six c um he's thriving he's doing good matt patra 19 year old rookie not expected to make the team jim montgomery is helping lead him into his new role and be a um you, you know big time contributor into the lineup um mason lori utilizing him in the back end. Um, kind of revolutionizing the goalie position with with Montgomery and goalie coach Bob by having a 1A, 1B system. There's things that Jim Montgomery does that makes him an unbelievable coach, and it makes him so valuable to this this organization, this franchise, this team, where a a little measly five, six-game stretch where they're playing sub-500 hockey while they're still leading the division and, like you said, top five in the league in the standings you want to fire that guy like let's take a break let's let's take a breath think about what you're saying right now and I, I i don't necessarily i i never want to like like harp on somebody for their own opinion that's their opinion right but if if they come at me with something like that and they back it up with nonsense then i'm just going to be like okay like i don't i i don't that opinion doesn't hold the same weight anymore because yeah me
2: it feels like it always comes off as just people trying to be a troll and it feels like, that way like there are trolls on social media everywhere for every sport for and every league for every team but um i feel like the the troll culture in boston i'll say for boston sports i feel like it's unlike anywhere else in the country mostly because of the the media that we have, here. and and like it can it can go across all sports. I know, like I was just talking about the Patriots. There's a lot of like Patriots talk right now, where there's not a lot of trust in beat writers because of what's going on with Bill Belichick and the stories that they're putting out, they're having no validity behind them at all. And it, it it just feels clickbaity. You can talk about the local, uh, you know, the sports hub, Weei. I mean, I don't even have to go into why nobody trusts them or listens to them anymore because it's all troll talk. You have like uh, Anthony on the Cape. Whatever that, oh. that Twitter guy, like the, the, there's a Red Sox podcast too that,
1: um, um it's just, it's like the bastards of, boss, of, bastards of like Boston. Bastards of Boston. I've heard really, yeah, I say I've, bad things, but just like in un, uncredible things.
2: Yeah. And, and it's just like, there is, it's just everything is so clickbaity. It's so trolly, You're And right. that's where, like, you know, like if it's something like this, like Jim Montgomery is, you know he just won the did he not just win the Jack Adams award yes. last year like he they had 65 wins he coached first year as a Bruins coach coached him to the best record in NHL history I understand we we all saw what happened in the first round and that's when it gets frustrating because like Jim Montgomery objectively celebrated around the entire NHL he's one of the best coaches in the league like get your head out of your ass and it, like you can list out a whole resume of you know national championship at Denver uh 65 wins as a head coach he's making he made Connor Clifton a lot of money last year the way that he had him performing in that contract that he signed players had career years across the board came in this year Bruins started I know that they're two three and three in their last eight but they they had the best start in franchise history this year like the resume for this guy what he's done in a year and a half is incredible and you'll have one person say yeah first round last year though what happened yeah, they lost in seven to a team that made it to the Stanley Cup Finals. Like, yeah, you really grew up It's, re- like, re- like, it's Rob, so, it's so annoying, and like that's why, like, those are the people who come out and they're the ones with no Abby and like eighty, like Lovel was saying, yeah. and like eighty followers or whatever. Not that follower count matters, but they're the ones who are saying all the stupid shit, trying to push buttons, and, and yeah. those are the ones specifically that piss me off. So yep. you just gotta ignore them and go on with your day, man. Yeah. All right, Lovel gave us another three. This was uh, fr- Friday. What day is today? Tuesday. Okay, so this is last yeah. Friday. Um, that was a twenty second. This was the oh god, this was the night that they lost to Winnipeg. He gave us oh two boys. Boy. Boys. Oh boy. We're we'll playing back to back.
3: Yeah, not really much of a question, but like just a rant after the pretty shitty, uh, pretty shitty Winnipeg game. Uh, everyone on Twitter, everything like, you guys even like the Bruins or? <laughs> and just, like, complaining about the Bruins. Like, Jesus. this negativity, negativity, negativity. Yeah, we're, you know, not playing that great. It's also December. We're in first place to at the Atlantic. Got a lot more games to go. No respect for the vets in the locker room that have been there for a while. Like, come on, he's going to shit their asses out. Of, like, hell. Jeez, boys. Like,
2: come on. Yeah, no, I agree with you wholeheartedly. There's been a whole lot of negativity. And it's, and you know, <laughs> and it feels like when the Bruins lose, like people just start fighting. <laughs> it's like, you know, when the, when the Red Sox win, kids eat free. When the Red Sox suck, there's kids starving all throughout Massachusetts. It's like <laughs> the around. And yeah. when the Bruins lose, everybody just starts fighting on yeah. social media, on, you know, media, on TV and stuff. Bruins are the heartbeat of the city. And um it's not that just that they've they've been losing, it's how they've been losing. They've looked absolutely terrible.
4: Yeah. And the
2: negativity surrounding this team, like Global just mentioned, is um I, I I haven't seen it this high in a year and a half because there's because at least when they lost to Florida last year, it was like instant. It, they were up three to one. They made it to game seven, and nobody thought they were gonna lose, and then they did lose, and it was like such a state of shock. Everybody it was like it was like a grieving session. Like everybody came together and sang Kumbaya because we didn't know what was going to happen. <laughs> but like now, like we're we're, we're watching the, the wheels fall off the Bruins right now. Yeah, it's like, like what are we? D-? It's like the Eric Andre when he's at the White House. Let me in. <laughs> <laughs> what is going on
1: right now, dude. It's like it's it's really weird, right? It's because like like they're driving down the Oregon Trail in a, in one of those old school wagons and just like every game night one of the rivets pops out of the wheel and the wheel starts to wiggle a little bit more and more. And it's like, God damn it. Somebody fix that fucking wheel now before it completely falls off. Like, please.
2: It's like they're, they're purposely hitting every single rock in the road. And like, yeah. they like, you know, they're going out on a picnic and like the apples falling out on the back and like the basket falls. And they're like, Oh shit, we're losing stuff, but they can't just stop hitting every single rock and pothole in the road. There's been a lot of negativity for sure.
1: They're fine so, though. They're fine. Yeah. That's so, like, Love I'm not worried. worried.
2: To Lovell's point, what he just said, what we were just talking about too, they have the fourth best record in the NHL. They've gone two, three, and three over the last eight, and they have the fourth best record in the NHL. <laughs> they're still first in the Atlantic. They still can't lose to Toronto. Like, I know they've been in a skid, but they're 2 0 against Toronto this year as well. True. It's, True. uh, no, I mean, you know, they're getting this break off, like you said, at the right time. They got Buffalo, New Jersey, Detroit. Uh, Buffalo, they should be able to beat New Jersey. Is going to be a good game, and Detroit. Your guess is as good as mine with Detroit because I never know what's going to happen when the Bruins play
1: them. They either win uh, or they they get shit on. It just seems like there's I, no
3: between.
1: I think I know it's. I mean, they, <laughs> I don't, don't, don't want to say it, but they just, have a, They they have an opportunity here to turn around. But, let's just uh, say Detroit has your number.
2: Yeah, they it's certainly still, do. Still Louisville still. gave us another one Friday night. This is a minute and a half long, so let's see what he said here. Yeah, and the, another little rant uh, after the
3: Winnipeg game here. Uh, I saw a lot of people online talking about they don't think Marshawn's starting at the sea. Uh, I think that's a ridiculous statement. Uh, I didn't play like that, you know, high level of hockey, but I mean probably higher the most like tier three junior A, uh, in the United States. Um, and for guys that are wearing the C in the locker room, they're wearing a C for a reason, you know, they've been there a while, generally a tier three junior A, maybe like two three years top. So they, you know, understand what the job entails to the coaching staff and they're respected by their peers. Like they're wearing the C for a you reason. Know, there is nobody online or on Twitter who has can even even begin to say, Oh, I don't think Brad Marshall deserves the see, like that, that's not even like up for debate for you guys or fans or anybody. That's all up to like what's going on internally in the locker room. So people just say, Oh, Brad doesn't deserve the seat that baffles me. I guarantee you every single guy in that locker room hundred and ten percent will say, Yeah, Brad deserves the see. Like
2: up, uh yeah, I could not agree more. Um, I'm gonna be honest. I don't think I, I personally I haven't seen anybody say that Brad Marshawn does not deserve to see, but I am I would not be surprised at all if there were people trying to actually form an argument about Brad Marshawn deserving not deserving to see. When we were talking before the season started, we were trying to decide who would be the captain of the team. There were two names and two names only. It was him and it was McAvoy. And Whatever player they picked would be an absolute shoe-in. And I wanted McAvoy to be the captain, but when they it watching Brad Marshall with the C in his sweater and the leadership he has, they absolutely made the right choice. There is nobody else out of want as captain of this team. Brad Marshall embodies everything it means to be a captain of the Bruins. And uh I think it just comes back to maybe trolls not knowing what they're talking about when they want to take the C off his sweater.
1: I will say one thing. I think you're right. I think Louisville's right. Um, this is Marshawn C. Like, he's been here. He's the longest-tenured Bruin. He learned so many things under Bergeron. And I wouldn't necessarily say McAvoy's was ready to jump into that role just yet. You could argue maybe, I mean, he, you could honestly, you could argue a guy like Brandon Carlo. He's the Bruins player rep for the team. Um Obviously he's a, he's a strong, reliable guy back on the back end for them. Um, and and just by, you know, kind of reading into like the body language and things I see and how the guys kind of look up to him on the ice. It seems like he's just kind of a natural leader, which is why he wears an A um, obviously they don't just give out the A's to, to anybody. Um, a guy like Charlie Coyle as well. Charlie McAvoy. There's a, there's a handful of guys you could pick from, but yeah, Marshawn, on hundred percent. Like, This is his year to captain this team. He's been here forever. Um, Like I said, he learned under Bergeron. The only thing that I will say, and I do honestly agree with because of a couple of reasons. I think that there's moments or stretches of time where the sea is weighing on him a little bit. Where you see him not playing his style of game. You know, maybe he's being a little... Too cautious. He's not playing on the edge as much as he would be normally if he wasn't wearing the C, which obviously I think plays into his favor when he does. It just makes him play the game, you know, the way he was meant to play it. Um, and I think it's it, it kind of alludes back to when um, there was that infamous picture of of um, Marshawn and Bergeron in the team, you know, the the equipment, the, room. Uh, equipment room. Thank you when they were in the equipment room and they were just talking and immediately after that game, or I'm sorry, immediately after that conversation that he had with Bergeron, he goes out there and scores a hat trick and he goes out there and he scores the, the, the next five goals, no exaggeration for the team. So there's, I I do think there's a little bit of something to that. I don't think it's a major thing. I think it's just something that he's kind of learning how to, you know, integrate into his game, into his character, into the into the play style of his. And he has to learn how to maybe balance it a little bit where he's not sacrificing parts of his game just because he's wearing the C on his jersey.
2: Yeah. No, I totally understand that. And I could definitely see that too. But part of me also feels like that's what makes him such a good pick to be the captain as well for people who think that he doesn't deserve to be captain because... um. For for the the weight of the C to be weighing that much, if that if it's affecting his game to that point, then that's a guy who understands the gravity of the situation of being captain of the Boston Bruins. Mm-hmm. Brad Marchand, you you can't say that he's a guy who does not take that for granted. I I, I have right. full faith that he every time he puts that sweater on and he sees that C, he knows what it means to be the captain of the Boston Bruins. And I'm not saying that nobody else would, but um, he's the perfect. He's really the only pick. To be captain, like the more like this season has been unfolding, and like the more behind the scenes stuff you see with Brad Marshall and this team, and like the conversation that he has with Bergeron, and of course, being a centennial season and the way that he interacts with the legends that have come through this organization. I can't see anybody else wearing that C, and I I can't see anybody else leading this team and being the position that the captain is other than Brad Marshall. So, for people who think he doesn't deserve to see, you're an idiot, bud. All right, yeah. here's the last one. <laughs> this is from Saturday, so this is after the Minnesota Wild loss. Oh, man, <laughs> Lobo oh, keeps boy. calling us after all, right after all these losses. <laughs> this, this is what he said. All right, coming in after the uh, 3-2 loss to
3: Minnesota. We're not playing too hard right now, that is for sure. But, you know, looking at the bright side here, uh, first the Atlantic, fourth best record in the league. Uh, seven regulation losses going into Christmas break. If I told any of you guys before the season started, that would be the case. Wouldn't sound so bad. So we're still in good shape. Um, definitely need to add some more scoring. As it looks, uh, last, say, like, five games now. I haven't really been putting the puck in the back of the net. <clears throat> but, you know, uh...
2: Positive eyes only. We are still the Boston Bruins and uh Go Bob go go Couldn't have said it better myself, except yeah. I don't know about uh, uh Phil Kessel. I think it would be fun to see him back in Boston. I think the hot dog vendors would love to see him back in Boston. But uh <laughs> Phil Phil Kessel isn't turning this team into an offense and <laughs> chucking out overnight.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, Kessel's name's been thrown out there a little bit. I don't I don't know him and I actually love and I were talking about that a little bit and he's all in. Um I just don't know, man. At, at that point, you're the median age of your team would be like 85 and the trainers would have to get some extra paychecks coming in their way. Cause they'd be doing some extra work. Um Hey,
2: the guy does know how to win though.
1: The guy knows how to win and it would be kind of poetic for him to end his career in Boston. Um, but I don't know if, that okay. You know what? That might be like your last ditch effort at getting. Like we're a, trying
2: uh, everything. People are going up and down the lines.
1: Just get get Phil Kessel in here. <laughs> Let's see what I he mean, can do. It's good news for everybody back in like two thousand nine who bought a Phil Kessel Bruins jersey. I mean, he could take yeah. his number. He could take his number back too. But um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's gonna could be you- interesting. But they definitely need a. They need. They they they, they need. A top six score. Could
2: you imagine? Um, it would be it would be even better if Krejci was still here. But could you imagine a power play, a Boston Bruins power play with <laughs> Phil Kessel and JVR out there together? I was gonna say like if if Krejci was still here, a line of Krejci, JVR, and Phil Kessel in the year twenty
1: twenty three. We're living cool. in a dude. We're living in a time warp. If that it's happens,
2: simulation. Nothing feels real.
1: No, it doesn't, dude. Sidetrack. When was the last time you think? Massachusetts had a white Christmas. The the a white Christmas means an inch or more of snow on the ground Christmas morning. I'm
2: gonna but say two thousand and five. I don't remember the last white Christmas. Two thousand nine. Oh <sighs> Oh my god! I said 2005 sarcastically, and I was actually pretty close. You were. No, it was honestly kind of bullshit this morning when I walked outside to get my mail, and it was like I was in shorts and I was wearing flip flops. It was it was almost 60 degrees on December 26th,
1: the day after Christmas. What Dude, are you doing? I drove by the. This is just a me and you conversation right now. <laughs> I, I drove by the by the uh, by by the lake, and there were like. 14 or 15 cars parked by the basketball court and kids were in t-shirts and shorts playing basketball and i was like this is the the spring yeah but anyways wait no and then
2: (laughs) this used to be my winter break from college and when i was a freshman in college so this is uh uh and very very end of 2017 2018 when i would come home that was like the it was so cold, and all the ponds were frozen, and it was great. I came home for two weeks, uh, Christmas and New Year's. I was skating with my friends playing pawn hockey. And then that winter, I came home, and I said, you know what? I'm going to get myself one of those head sock things because my face is freezing. It's so cold out here. I'm going to wear it when I wear pawn hockey. I've never worn it because I, the next four years, I came back from college for Christmas. It was so warm. Nothing was frozen. And it now doesn't like freeze it anymore. anymore. I can't even. Last year, all I talked about was my snowboard. I've been waiting to use it this year. It hasn't snowed. Nobody's making snow unless I go up way up in Vermont, and yeah. it sucks. I want to use this stuff and I can't use it.
1: Yeah, I know it's weird, but um, That's yeah. A shout out, shout out to Lovel keeping the Lovo line alive. Um, yeah. but we did ask for some DM questions and you guys came through. Um, the th- first thing we asked was, "What's the biggest surprise to you at this point of the season, good or bad?" So I'll just kind of read through those first. Um, Ace from two Pad stack. Um, shout out to him. If you haven't heard the Morgan geeky interview that he did, um, that's, that's Burge. on their podcast. Yep. And, and Burge as well. Yeah. They, um, awesome interview with geeky. Um, it's great too, cause it's right in the midst where
2: I've been tweeting for weeks. Geeky's a superstar. He's been playing some of the best hockey of his career here the last couple weeks. So yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah. A nice interview. Yeah. Sneaky geeky dude. Um, sneaky, but sneaky, Ace, um, <laughs> Ace said Danton Heinen is his biggest surprise. Um, let's see here. Uh, bah, 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 bah. Wait, Johnny, did you add yours? My biggest surprise? Yeah.
2: Uh, no, I didn't. Oh, okay. Getting to the end of the week and ours. I was going to throw mine out there.
1: Uh, Johnny Drummondville from the UK. Um, he said, surprised. Coil, better than I thought. Frederick, very effective too. Um, Ali King. Responded, they said Coyle being this good. um, Zach Arnold, surprised on how well JVR has performed up until this point. His role as a Bruin is crazy good. Also, Lauco seems to be the only player that really tries to switch momentum when things aren't going so well. Facts. Um, Ethan 1.0, goalie Ethan, shout out to Ethan. He said his biggest surprise has been, um, has not been, I would say, the play of the Bruins, but the play of the Flyers. And then he said, so much for a rebuild with the little eye emojis. Mm-hmm. And then Heliotropic said, for positives, he has to say the Heinen signing, JVR, and the development of Patra. Negative, he would say the offensive drop-off of Hampus, um, but went on to credit his defensive game. Um, and he also said Grizz is struggling with puck movement as well. What was your What's your biggest surprise? a few things right off the bat. I think
2: the ultimate biggest surprise has been Charlie Coyle. Somebody mentioned, I don't know who it was, but um I mean, he's on pace to shatter his career highs. He was uh, just like last week. He had like 19 points to his first 21 games this year or something. That's huge for Charlie Coyle. He's been my biggest surprise. Next. I would also add Dayton Heinen. Somebody else mentioned him as well. Uh The guys look like a, a superstar at times. And, He's also great, too, because you can use him on your first line if you need him. I know he was playing first-line minutes. I think it was either against the Wild or the Jets. He was playing first-line wing. Or you can comfortably slide him back to the three spot, and he performs there as well. Some guys will have a habit of, if you're bumping them up and down lines, you know they go back on the third line, and maybe they're trying to do everything that they couldn't do on the first line, and they overplay or something. Or you put them on the first line, and suddenly they're invisible. Dayton Hine, and I think it doesn't matter where he is and what lineup, the last four or five games or so. He has been consistently one of the best Bruins players on the ice. Dayton Heinen's been surprising. I would add Morgan Geeky. Didn't know what I was going to get out of Morgan Geeky this year. Wasn't sure if he was going to play center or wing. He's been playing third line minutes. He's been playing second line minutes. Um, He's been playing some of the best hockey of his life over the last couple weeks. That's been a pleasant surprise. And I will also add Brandon Carlo, because we just spent all this time talking about his play. You knew what you were going to get from him defensively, but it's the offensive production I have been loving to see from Brandon Carlo this year. Those are my four surprises so far. Let me
1: hear yours. Yeah, I mean, I agree with all of yours, too, so I won't go too deep into it. but, um, (laughs) But Matthew Patra, obviously making the team from camp. That was the biggest surprise. I don't think anybody saw that. It helped solve the center issues that this team was going to have heading into the season. Um, He fit into that role so well, so early, and so easily, too. Obviously, producing offensively like a madman in the beginning as well. Um, But I would say Patra. um, A negative surprise, I would say... Jake DeBrusque, I thought he was gonna. I, I thought he would be at least what he was last year at this point of the season. I, didn't, I, if you told me Jake DeBrusque would have eleven points through, basically halfway through the season, I would have been like, so what? Like he got hurt in the fifth game of the year. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, I, no, I don't know. Probably that, but I don't want to be too negative. But, um, yeah, I mean, maybe another negative surprise is Monty not. Finding any kind of consistent line,
2: yeah, which is really stupid because they, they were humming the first month of the year, and then yeah, now he's changing lines and they're dropping four games in a row. And, um, my negative, um, I'm not going to say the play of the defenseman, but I'm going to say the health of your defenseman. Ah, Mac McAvoy's, but he's he's been fighting a couple injuries this year. Grizzly missed a big chunk of time, Forbert missed a big chunk of time. Here we are now uh, about two months into the year. And um when is the last time all of your t- all top six Bruins defensemen have been healthy and in the lineup at once? I honestly don't know. If it's not Grizzly, it's McAvoy. If it's not McAvoy, it's Forber. If it's not one of them, uh Lynn Holmes played every game, Carlos played every game, then we gotta see Ian Mitchell. And Ian Mitchell sucks. Shattenkirk's been hurt. Like it's it's always it's always somebody defensively who's getting hurt. And that is my biggest disappointment right now. And it's not the players' fault. You know, that's not what I mean. But um, here we are, you know, the, this eight to 10 game stretch. We can even extend it back to when they dropped three in a row at the end of November. Like the last 12 to 15 games have been terrible. And um, it's a lot of that is because defensively, this team has been atrocious. And a lot of that, I think you can also contribute to the health of your defenseman. They've had pretty much no consistency. If sometimes Lori's playing, sometimes Wotherspoon's playing, sometimes it's Shattenkirk, sometimes it's Mitchell. And the only reason they have to keep calling these guys up and down and having the cycle of players as your third defensive pairing is because of the injuries this team has been facing to start, you know, the second half of the first
1: half of the season. <laughs> yeah, dude. Um, But yeah, so shout out to all you guys for sending in your uh, biggest surprises, negative and and, uh, positives. Um, But we'll jump into the questions here. Um, This first one comes in from, I believe his name is Mason. He has a a little M emoji and then Asin. So I'm going to assume it's Mason. Um, You can follow him on Twitter at Myers underscore 91. He said, thoughts on bringing up Merck or Lysol? And dude. I'm gonna be honest with you. If we can only pick one, I'm going Merkulov, hundred percent. Merkulov, so badly. I want to see Merkulov so bad, dude. I don't so remember who tweeted
2: it. It was somebody the other day. Um, but uh, at one point, Merkulov had, I think it was eight goals and fourteen points his last seven games in Providence. He the guy is on fire right now.
1: He's a menace right now. He's a he's a left handed shot, and if you want to move JD. Because JD's a righty, if I if I'm correct. If you want to look yeah. that up, oh you he's, know, okay yeah
2: he's left wing, yeah.
1: Okay, yeah. So if you can say say obviously Jake Debrusk needs something to shake up. Maybe put him on the right side, call up Merkulov, who can play center and wing. Obviously, you're good center-wise right now. Um put maybe I was maybe wrong. Jake, he plays right wing, it was flipped. It was flipped. Okay, all right. Well. Okay, well then. Anyways, we just put him on his off wing. Then put him on the right side, and then put Merkulov on the left side. Maybe roll a line of like uh, Merkulov. Uh, I almost did a Montgomery and split up Coil and Frederick. Um, <laughs> or you know what? No, maybe th- this is maybe maybe try this. Go Merkulov, Zaka, Pasta, and then go J- JVR Coil, and um, Freddy. And then... or Oh my god, I'm having a brain fart. That's your third line. What if they did...
2: What what if they did first line, they did Marshawn, Zaka... No. Switch that. First line, no. I'll just keep it like this to keep it simple. First line, (laughs) Marshawn, Zaka, pasta. Second line, um... Uh, no, no, I'm I'm gonna pretend he's not back. Second line, I'm gonna do Jake the Russ Coyle Frederick. Third line, JVR Merkulov Heinen. Okay, fourth line, Beecher Lauko and whoever. Yeah, I would
1: do that. So, say I'm right now because then
2: your third line would be three lefties, right? Heinen's lefty,
1: yes, yeah, that's true. All right, I'm, let's, hypothetically, let's do it with Patra in the lineup. I'm going to go... I'm going to go Merkulov, Zaka, Pasa. Just try it. And then you go Marshawn, Patra, DeBrusque, And then third line, JVR, Coyle, Frederick. Fourth line, um, Lauko, Beecher, Steen. That's what I want to see. I kind
2: of like that. Yeah. But uh, Merkulov. I mean, I know you can't really... What about... Oh, you didn't say Geeky.
1: Oh. Shit. I, I didn't
2: say him either. I forgot about Geeky.
1: Okay, well, then... Well, that's, say, a good, that's a good problem to have. <laughs> say... Okay, so... Wow, people are probably getting so mad. At this team this is made
2: in almost entirely of third-line players. That's Dude, what it's makes all, it's, it
1: so harsh. <laughs> yeah, this it's a bottom-six forward group, really. It's like... Okay, so, no Patra, you go... Oh, my God. No, no Patra, you go... Merkulov, Zakapasa Uh... Marchand Geeky to and then you can go JVR Coyle Frederick and then Lauco Beatrice. And then when Potra comes back, then you figure it out.
2: Yeah, and then Potra comes back, and then Jim flips all the lines again to <laughs>
1: whatever. <laughs> and then all I of a sudden, on the third, Lauco's on the yeah. fifth. <laughs> he, he,
2: he slipped back to defense. JVR, <laughs> JVR's playing center. Yeah. No, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know how they're going to make it work. I don't know what the lines are going to be, but I would love to see Merkulov. Haven't seen him, you know, play with the Bruins yet. And I'm, I'm big on rewarding guys for what they're doing. And I feel like yeah, right now, too. especially with Patra out of the lineup because he's playing for Team Canada, who uh, lost to the USA the other day. Um, with him being out of the lineup, I think now's a chance to give the guy a look. Screw it. See what he can do. Uh, give him a couple games. I agree.
1: Just a couple. He doesn't have to stay here for a while, but like, get him up here. I want to see what. Wait, that looks wh-
2: like. while we're here, can we? While well, we're, potters fresh on the mind. Unless did somebody ask about the World Juniors? No, but nobody asked about the World Juniors actually. Have you been watching? What, what do you think about the tournament so far?
1: Uh it's it's interesting. Canada's good. USA is good. Dude, Carter Goate is fucking nasty. Um Dude,
2: Lane Hudson.
1: Lane it drives hockey, me
2: crazy oh that he's a Canadian's draft pick. I, I I watched the game against Canada the other day and unbelievable game. Like USA won, so I'm happy. But even like you know, Canadians that we know, it was an exhibition game, so it didn't count for shit. But just like seeing that um that amount of young talent between Canada and the USA, it was oh it was beautiful hockey. Know, and know, that dude, dude Lane Hudson is gonna be such a problem. He had like he had this one play. I was trying to describe him to my dad and I was like, I don't know, just like like Quinn Hughes, but if he was on the Canadians, like that's kind of yeah. what it looked like. It's like he was taking the puck and like it's so weird because like a lot of like these these modern day NHL players, like these offensive juggernauts, like your Kill McCar. Well, Kill McCarr is kind of built, but Quinn Hughes is a perfect example. If like he looks like a third line left winger. Like the, his like his body type and like, like Frank Toronto Yeah, <laughs> and like Lane Hudson looks the exact same, but with the puck on his stick, there's literally nothing that this kid can't do. And it and it drives me crazy to see that he's a Canadian's draft pick, because they really got somebody good in him. He's playing right down the street at BU. He was a second round pick. And another thing that I thought was kind of funny was like the handful of best players for Team USA, their dads are Canadian. But they played in the NHL for American teams, so when their kid was born, they were born in America, and that's why they're <laughs> playing for USA, which that was fun. But um, no, I think it's been a good tournament so far. I think the USA and Canada are on a crash course for the gold medal game, and it's going to be amazing. Um, a lot of good talent sprinkled around, sprinkled around the world right now, and I think it's been a phenomenal tournament so far. I know Team USA played Nor—I think they played Norway today. They beat them like four-one. I was watching that game. Uh, Canada played. Uh, Finland beat them like five to two or something. So, yeah. I don't know. It's been a lot of fun to watch. So, I always love when the uh, World Junior Classic comes rolling around.
1: Yeah, dude, there's a lot of talent this year. But, um, yeah, so shout out to Mason. But this next one actually comes in from Bird Bardownski. You can follow them on Twitter at, at SpoopyMan141843. Um, he asked, or the bird asked, um, how long do you think Sway and Lauko were stuck on that elevator?
2: Oh, my God. I saw that. <laughs> I don't know, man. They were visiting Shattenkirk, right? Yeah. yeah. Hopefully not too long. I got to say, Lauko's got to be one of the best followers on Twitter.
1: Dude, the way that he was laying on the floor, he was just like totally defeated. He was just like, we're not getting out of here anytime yeah. soon. I mean, they said to visit Shatty or whatever. <laughs> yeah, they said to visit Shatty, they said, and then Sway was yeah. sort of banging on the door.
2: <laughs> Could you imagine oh, said- like, like living in that building and like, oh, I gotta, you know, I got a package. I need to go downstairs and you open the elevator and it's just Jeremy Swayman and, and Lauco
1: just sitting there. <laughs> because it's like castaway, they like they like crawl out of the elevator, they're like yeah. their hair's a mess, they're disheveled, they haven't eaten in three days.
2: The best was um when Laco tweeted how like, you know, Swayman was upset and started to cry, so we gave him yeah. a gold hug or something like that. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> um, if if you honestly, that's a good like duo to get stuck in an elevator with, though. Then that now this this kind of popped in my head. If you were to pick one player on the team who you would want to get stuck with on an elevator, who would it be? And if you could pick one player who you would absolutely not want to get stuck in an elevator with, who would it be?
2: With um, anybody, oh, that's a good question. Player I would want to get stuck in an elevator with. I feel like uh, this might be a cop out. I feel like Brad Marchand would be a good pick. It's a good pick, a though. he's entertaining. Uh, B, um, every interview he's ever been, great conversation skills. So we would be we'd be chopping it up and laughing the whole time, and then C, his small frame would probably allow him to climb on top of the elevator and. and, like, find a way to jar open the door. Like, I I, I feel confident (laughs) that if I was stuck in an elevator with Brad Marshawn, he would get me out of there. So I would have to say him. Player that I would not want to be on there with, Derek forward like I... It's so <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. I just Like, I feel like we'd be stuck in the elevator and be like, oh...
1: You'd be like, oh, yeah, this is like the fifth time this has happened to me this week.
2: I, I feel like we would probably just be standing there in silence and he'd be like, uh, Boston, Boston weather has been crazy, you know? Like
1: I, like, I don't know. I just feel like it would just be like, no, oh, no my snow, God. No snow on Christmas this year, huh?
2: Yeah. Oh, man, I... Darla's upstairs. Yeah, I forgot yeah. to feed her. Yeah, yeah. I guess she's gonna have to wait a little longer. You know. Yeah, I
1: hope she's okay.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know. the first person... be a conversation with <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think the player I'd most want to get stuck with. I won't take yours. I won't take Marshawn. Um, Jake DeBrusque might be kind of fun to be stuck in there with. I feel like he's like a little jitterbug. Like he's just like he would just be like frantically just like I don't know. Like it would just be kind of funny and entertaining. It would be a good opportunity, too, to really sit them down and give them some pointers,
2: you know, how to yeah. score the puck. Hey, you know, this is what you're doing wrong out there. I got some film on my phone. You need to shoot the puck when you're in this situation. JD, listen, I played high school hockey. Uh, <laughs> I have an idea. Listen, um, we were the 2016 Metro West Cup champs, so I know what it's like, you know, to be a champion. And yeah, uh,
1: I've, I've been there, there before, day. JD. I've been there before. Listen, um, I've lifted a cup. You have it. <laughs> <laughs> I think the the player least, not, I won't say Forbert, um, hmm,
2: maybe, I feel like Mason Lorai would be a sneaky good pick. He probably would be like doing TikTok dances or something in the, <laughs> in the elevator.
1: I might go, this is a cop hard answer too, but like Ian Mitchell, like, what am I going to talk about with Ian Mitchell?
2: That's another guy you could give some pointers to in the elevator. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I don't even know if it would work.
2: Um, no, there's got to be somebody else who would not be a good time in an elevator.
1: Honestly, there's so many like guys on this team, though, who I feel like would be a blast to be stuck in an elevator with.
2: Oh, yeah, it's a fun team.
1: Like, Danton Heiden would be fun. Lauko, you could just talk about Lord of the Rings the whole time. That would be sick, and Grapes. Oh, um, yeah, we could talk about uh, Assassin's Creed. Yeah. Um, I know Lauko, a not... big Assassin's Creed guy. <laughs> um... Johnny Beecher, would be cool. he has a good johnny personality. Johnny Beecher would be cool. Yeah, Johnny I Beecher's be really
2: cool. Yeah, he's been starring in a lot of Bruins TikToks lately. Yeah.
1: Well, so basically the, the whole thing of this conversation is for Bert and Mitchell, really. But yeah, yeah. so shout out, shout out to Bird Bardowski. Um, getting to another one here. Let's see. Um, this one comes in from our boy Johnny Drummondville. Follow him on Twitter at that johnny d. He says, greetings from the UK. Watch out. Yeah. My humble observations are bees need another upper upper level finisher. Facts. He said Guryanov, Varana could be low pound pickup, aka money for all of you know the uncultured people in here. Um and they says, or go bold and kick tires on Columbus Blue Jackets, Chinnikov you definitely need a top six scorer. That's that's like that is the most glaring hole that has been revealed over these past couple of weeks is that you just can't and we've kind of known this too from previous years of relying on top line scoring it just doesn't work. You need to be able to spread out the scoring and have secondary guys who are at least putting up like 40 or 50 points. Like you need that. Otherwise you're just you're not going to make it. Yeah, they need somebody. Who is the guy he said on Columbus? Uh, Chinnikov. I'm
2: not familiar with him. Do you have any insight? Um,
1: I know Chinnikov, he, he has a high ceiling. Um, I'll tell you in a second. I just want to pull up his stats from this year. Um, yeah, Igor Chinnikov, He's 22 years old. Um, he's he's 5'11. He's a he's a left wing slash right wing. He's a pretty sure he's a yeah, he's a left-handed shot. Uh, he's kind of been up and down with, with Columbus and uh, Cleveland, their their AHL affiliate. But this year, it's really been the NHL. Uh, 24 games played this year. He's got nine goals, six assists, 15 points. Um, only, only two penalties as well. Um, he, the kid's got a high ceiling. I mean, he, 21st overall pick in 2020. Um, and... I don't know if Columbus would necessarily be willing to to give him up, nor do the Bruins really have the assets, you know, in order to pull a trade like that off. I think another team could probably outbid you if he's on the block. Um, but there's there's going to be avenues that open up more towards the trade deadline. You know, teams are, teams are going to start to sell off some pieces. Um, the playoff picture and the standings and the playoff race, the the that whole picture is going to be clearer. And you'll, you're going to get a better idea of who's actually a target, who's rumored to be a target. Like the guys right now who are being mentioned are just kind of rumored outside of guys like Elias Lindholm and, um, you know, really just Flames players, <laughs> Lindholm yeah. and Hennepin. Like that's really the only two guys we know are probably going to get dealt.
2: What about um, – while, th- while we're throwing out names, what about that uh, – uh, what's his name from the Sabers that Preturka Pater- guy?
1: JJ Paterka, yeah, I mean, I would love him. That's the thing about Buffalo; they have so many young pieces. Like, yeah, they're not going to be able to fit them all in a roster. Like, they're going to have to move some of these guys soon. Like, Zach Benson is coming up. Um, Matthew Savoy is coming up. Who's playing with um, Matthew Potch right now? World Juniors. Um, yeah. I mean, I would take Paterka. I like Paterka.
2: I'm, I'm looking at. I only know Paterka because I picked him up by fantasy hockey team like a week and a half ago. And he
1: murdered
2: Talk about, oh, that was who hit him? What a piece of shit. Yeah. I don't want him anymore. <laughs> damn it. No, but he's second round pick in uh, 2020, six foot 189 lefty. This year he has 12 goals and 25 points in 35 games. He's only 21 years old. Yeah, he's so, a good player. Haven't heard any, you know, Sabres, any interest in moving him, but while we're throwing out names, I'll throw them out. Also, Ethan 2.0 also suggested uh, Frost last week as well from the Flyers. I don't know if there's anything going on with him. I don't know if the Flyers sure. are looking to move him. Um, I know that there was – wasn't he – was he the one who was unhappy in, in Philly right now? Or maybe Philly is unhappy with him. I don't know. There was something going on. I remember seeing his name in the papers about his relationship with the Flyers. But that's a guy, too, who could be a good pickup. But I want to give credit to Ethan 2.0 for that because he was the one who mentioned it. He put a tweet out a couple weeks ago, a poll, if it was him. And we talked about last week. I think it was Frost and Sandheim. Um, who I'm still on board with getting
1: both of them. So, yeah. Yeah. I I, used to be I, Philly, me. Philly, though, is playing so well. Um, yeah. No, I don't think you're going to move anybody right now. Yeah. But I, I want to finish off this uh, DM segment with, um, like you just said, our boy Ethan 2.0, Bruins Beach season. Um, Give him a follow at Incredible Mr. E7. E2.0 is two parters. He says, question part number one should we continue? Oh, excuse me. Should we continue to struggle in the third period? How much how much longer till something happens? Whether it be a scratch or a move? Maybe maybe you start to see Matthew Patra be used in the third period. Maybe Dude, that could I be something hope you see. Though.
2: like it, like what the hell? You know, I'm getting real sick and tired of it. Yeah. Every game the Bruins are giving up a third period lead. Every time the other team pulls their goalie, they score. And Patra's playing some phenomenal defensive hockey for Canada right now. Yes, I thought I is. saw Patra has like 18 takeaways right now for Team Canada through two games or some shit. I don't know what the hell it was. But oh, you know what it was? He's, um, I believe, Patra is on Canada's penalty kill units or something like that. Yeah. And uh, damn it, I don't remember what it was. I just know Patra's playing phenomenal defensive hockey right now. And, um, you know, it, it, the Bruins' theme seemingly all year has been that they've been giving up late leads they've been giving up third period goals they've been giving up goals when the other team pulls the pulls their goalie and really the only constant that we've seen is that Patra gets benched every third period so I don't know if maybe the solution is that easier give Patra more minutes uh in the third period but I don't know that's one thing you can try because that was something we talked about too when the Bruins um I believe it was when they beat Toronto because Toronto scored with like two seconds left to send that game into overtime we talked about How this team has a problem And when specifically we were Talking then about how when the other team pulls Their goalie the Bruins can't seem To not give up a goal And that's kind of expanded now into Like last five minutes of a game if the Bruins have a lead they're not going to hold on to it And we had like had No idea how to fix that because a lot of it was Bad habits we were talking about before they can't get The puck out of their own zone they play sloppy In front of their goalie they can't break the Puck out so I think it's a culmination of Things but I think if you're if you're trying to just do different things and throw a dart at the dartboard and see what sticks, screw it. Give Potch more minutes in the third period because he's not getting any third period minutes right now when he's playing phenomenal defensive hockey for Team Canada
1: at the moment. Yeah, yeah, no, I I, I think we we're gonna start to see him being used in the third. To be honest with you, it's it, you can't continue to do that and just run all the other guys into the ground, um, especially when it doesn't work in the first place. Um. And Pot- like, I'm just trying to imagine what Patra must be like on the bench in the third. He must just be like, dude, like what, what, what do I have to do? Yeah. <laughs> Put me out coach. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, um, uh, part two of Ethan's, uh, two parters, he says, say we trade DeBrusque, and instead of the speculated Edmonton, we send him to San Jose. What package would you bundle for him? I'd like to see Ferraro in the return plus a pick. Ferraro is 25 years old, left handed defenseman. This is the only thing. Who's going to replace JD in the top six? You know what I mean? Like now, instead of even even having a guy who could potentially score, you have nobody. You You know what? What if.
2: um, Unless we're cool of. What if they get Duclair back in a trade with San Jose? I
1: would. Love Anthony Duclair. What is yeah. his contract? What a call, Mel. I would love Anthony Duclair. I was playing
2: around with trades at NHL the other day and I traded for Anthony Duclair. I totally forgot he was on the Sharks. Um, but no, I mean if we're talking about the Sharks, I don't know what his contract is, but I mean Anthony Duclair, he was uh <coughs> sorry, a couple seasons removed from a 31 goal season. I mean, he's a top six winger and he's a guy he's got 7 goals 13 points so he's playing better than uh DeBrusk is this year he's another guy who could take another step in his game and maybe sending him to an original 6 team and giving Brusque a new a new uh a fresh start out there in San
1: Jose I don't know yeah Anthony Duclair is in his let's see here he's in his final year of a 3 year $3 million AAV deal. It's perfect. If you can get and say, would you be able to finagle that without even sending JD? Like, say you package like Forbert, um, say, say, for, oh boy, here we go again. Forbert, four um, <laughs> a, a lesser known prospect and like a fourth round pick. That might be too much because he's going to be a free agent after the season, but maybe not because I, I mean just... you're giving up forward like that, yeah. that alone. Like,
2: I feel like if uh, if the Sharks, I mean, uh, Duclair isn't doing anything out of this world for San San Jose can do pretty much nothing right right now. They suck. And I think it seemed like that would take a lot more value if they were to move a guy like Duclair, a guy who I'm sure they're going to be getting calls for coming around the deadline because of what he's capable of and that contract you just mentioned. Even though he's on an expiring deal, he's only making three mil. That's a tiny cap hit. Yeah. Um, I would think that they're going to want draft picks for young players and not Derek Forward. I mean, I would if they would take Derek Forward in a trade, I would drive him to the airport myself. But um, <laughs> if you were to include Jake DeBrusque, I mean, I I don't know. I mean, the Bruins are seriously lacking some draft picks. I don't know if you can do Jake DeBrusque for declaring a draft pick, but that all comes back to I have no idea what Jake DeBrusque's value is. I think a team like San Jose could honestly value Jake DeBrusque more than other teams would because they know what we know in the sense that Jake DeBrusque is capable of a lot more than he's producing right now. Um, I think that Jake DeBrusque needs other – he's not going to power a line. I think that he's – a benefactor of great players being on his line. I think that that's what I I hate to say it. I think that's what we saw last year. Um, I'm just hoping that maybe San Jose doesn't see that. And they think they can unlock something more out of him, but if they want Jake DeBrusque and they're dangling Anthony Duclair coming back this way, I would be all over that. I just, I I wouldn't want to just do one for one.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah. I'm with you on that too, but yeah. Shout out to the DMS. Um, Shout out to all you guys sending in the questions, sending in your, you know, Positive and negative surprises Up until this point of the season Um, But Outside of that um, We'll we'll do a quick little three game prediction And then that will be the show for today So let's see here So Tonight as this episode Drops Bruins in Buffalo Prediction Mel I honest to god I say this is a must win game You have the break no excuse You, You gotta win this game
2: it's a huge game yeah because especially the they made. got they got the Devils next who probably right. beat the Bruins. <laughs> Come on. Eh. Eh. And then and then uh the Red Wings eh. who we were already saying Red Wings have the Bruins number. So I think this is a very important game. Are they is it are they home or away against the Sabres? Uh it's in Buffalo. I want to say uh
1: 3 to 2 win Bruins. I'm going to say the Bruins win. Five to four in a in overtime. It's they're gonna they're gonna something. they're gonna make a sweat. They're gonna
2: make a sweat again. That would but be in, Bru- a win in Bruins
1: fashion. That would be yep. very
2: fitting for this team.
1: And I have a feeling they're gonna wear their goat head jerseys for some reason, which is intimidating. Their but, goat head jerseys. Yeah, the the black and red goat head. Oh, dude, I'm thinking about the Bruins. I was like, what? Yeah, no, jerseys easy. the Bruins have. It's, oh, actually no, like... they, it's a part of their centennial.
2: <laughs> the, the, uh, yeah, the, the One year they, they temporarily changed their name and logo.
1: Yeah, and their color scheme. Everything was just different. <laughs> they were a different team. Um, all right, so then the Devils come into Boston Saturday. Prediction. Um... Devils have been struggling. They have zero goaltending. Which means they'll probably shut yeah, us up.
2: In a sec, huh? I'm going to say
1: hey. four to two Bruins, baby. I'm buying it. I'm buying it. I'm going to say that's going to be a three to three to two win in overtime again. Okay. Yep. Okay. Hey, what is a and, win? And then uh, Bruins wings in Detroit Sunday. So back to back on New Year's Eve. Uh, four to two win, Detroit.
2: Patty Kane's gonna go nuclear that
1: game. I'm I'm gonna say five to three wings. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. That feels about right.
1: Yeah. But yeah, so anyways, hey, episode 72 of the Something's Brewing podcast. Um, as always, brought to you in partnership with the one and only Primetime Productions. You can follow them on Twitter at Primetime Prods. Um, Mel, any closing thoughts? Um, no, not
2: really. I hope that everybody had a wonderful holiday i hope everybody got to spend time with friends and family and we have new year's coming up everybody be safe if you are drinking call an uber call a cab call a friend call um, us call us yeah i think or my twitter dms are open call the voicemail if you're in central mass and you're out somewhere and you need a ride and you can't find an uber you can't find a taxi and your friends aren't answering send me a dm i got a <laughs> honda pilot seats eight i can take the whole group home but uh, everybody, be safe and have a wonderful new year. And hopefully, the Bruins can turn this around sometime soon.
1: Let's put let's put out a homework assignment for for New Year's. New Year's, wherever you are at a party, if you're drinking, call the voicemail line, leave us a a New Year's uh, voice message, and we'll we'll make a compilation of it at the end of next episode. Um, oh yeah, we should have at least five. I want five voicemail calls. Just saying, uh, five Happy new no, years.
2: Five different voices, too. Not yeah. just low. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: we, already know, we already know we're getting five for rule. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, call, give a call. Um, you don't have to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't have to say who you are if you don't want to. You can if you want. But call in, start the new year off right, and and send us an electric call. Yeah, and that number is 508-263-0854.
2: 508 508- two six three zero eight five four you can find it in the bio of our twitter account at Bruin something no g give us a call anytime specifically though new year's would be great and uh but seriously make sure you're safe and you get home safe and if you're drinking please do not drive home
1: yep yep same same um same thought process with me be safe be smart um Hopefully, everybody had a good holiday season. Um, New Year's is coming up. Bruins hockey is coming back. And it was a good little break. Uh, definitely, the team needed it. Um, and we'll see how they respond. You know, adversity is a good thing sometimes. It, it all depends on how you come out the other end. Um, and I have plenty of faith that this team will. But hey, episode 72. If you liked the show and you had fun listening, Give a quick little five star review on Spotify, Apple. Oh Google yeah, Play, whatever, listen, you're listening to. whatever you're listening to, leave a review. Leave a review. It helps the show grow. Um, only if it's go-
2: good though. If if you're gonna give us anything low that lower than five stars or a bad comment, just don't even bother. Don't Dude, even leave bother. it on the Only Bruins podcast page. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: um so yeah, um, yeah, tell a friend you like the show, the, your friend like the Bruins, tell him. Tell, tell him tell her hey i know this podcast the something's brewing podcast they have voicemails they have dms they talk to everybody they're on twitter they do they do things they put an on episode once a week unless it's thanksgiving <laughs> but they do it all the time it's fun it's great we're on youtube it's a great time mentioning youtube give us a follow at something's brewing um but outside of that yeah um you know we're entering the new year we're continuing to grow um you know, it, 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 we're building the community up with the help of many other people, it's it's awesome, it's fun, but, you know, um, if you have friends, tell them, let them know, talk about the show together. Oh, did you hear this week's DM question? Oh, did you hear the voicemail? Was that you on the line? It was, I thought it was you, the voice sounded familiar. Well, anyways, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. So let's do <laughs> it, let's build this community even bigger, um, but outside of that... This has been episode 72 of the Somethings Brewing podcast. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Brewing Something. No G at the end. You can follow myself on Twitter at underscore Mike Sullivan. And you can follow Nick on Twitter at Nick NickMolanson underscore. Until next time, let's hope for a quick little winning streak from the boys in the black and gold. And until then, we will talk to you guys next week. Bye.
0: So, like, relax. I'm spilling these rats long as you feel 'em, them to the day that I drop. You'll never say that I'm not killing them. Cause when I am not, then I'ma stop pinning them. And I am not hip hop, and I'm just not Eminem. Subliminal thoughts when I'ma stop spinning them. Women are cord web. spinning webs. Spin them in hot venom. Adrenaline shots. The penicillin could not get the ill in a stock. A moxicillin's just not real enough. The criminal cop killing hip hop. Filling a minimal swap to cop millions of pop listeners.